Well, we continue this morning in our efforts to encourage and to provoke earnest and heartfelt prayer amongst us. We're concentrating on praying, and I do believe that we have made some ground. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But uh, we don't want to lose any of that ground. And we're just scratching the surface, amen. There is much more, much more to gain. And uh, so I'm trusting that the Holy Ghost is going to continue uh, to deal with us along these lines as we move forward. And uh, that this seed is going to bear fruit uh, in individual lives and going to bear fruit corporately as well, amen. Prayers we've communicated over and over, time and again, is the lifeblood of spiritual life. Relationship is key to genuine Christianity. There could be no vital relationship, though, apart from intimate communion. Amen. And uh, if we're not communicating with God, then we cannot say that we know him. These fundamental things in regards to the essence of the relationship that we call eternal life, we should apply to ourselves moment by moment, and we should not escape the absolutes of these truths. Amen? If we'll believe this in our heart, then it will compel us. It will be a standard, amen, that will bring us time and time again to repentance if we need to repent in regards to our prayer life. Now, it's important for us here to acknowledge just that there are callings for individuals. There are also callings for local assemblies. Do you believe that? Amen. Just like each and every one of you have an individual calling, amen, in the body of Christ, uh, local assemblies have callings as well, both general and specific. Amen. We here at Consuming Fire Fellowship, we have been planted here together in the will of God for such a time as this. And of course, the vast balance of what we're called to do, all Christians are called to do. Amen. Communicated via the Word of God. But let's not make, uh, you know, a mistake in, in assuming that this church doesn't have a little different or little specific or more specific calling than a church in, uh, you know, 500 AD. Different churches, different periods, different nations face different things. So there is a different calling or rather specific calling for each, uh, assembly. So we can say that CFF or Consuming Fire Fellowship is called of God. Likewise, as prayerless men can never fulfill their personal call of God, neither can a local church apart from a concerted effort at the altar. Amen. We have to take the calling serious. If I didn't take my personal calling serious and understand that within my own power and my own strength, there's no way that I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Likewise, we need to understand that we're going to give an account for what God has given to us. Amen. He has blessed us. He has provided for us the truth that we have, etc., and so forth. We're going to give Give an account for what he's given to us, for he's given it to equip us and harness us for the task at hand. Amen. As the prophet uh, Amos admonished Old Testament Israel, for thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, seek me and ye shall live. 
Seek me and ye shall live. The implications are sure. If we're not seeking God, we're not going to have life. And if we don't have life, then it's impossible for us to fulfill our corporate calling. Reading this morning from 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. We're going to read the last verse. Verse 19. We just read through this. In early morning devotions, uh, I believe last week, and as we read this verse, the Holy Ghost just quickened me. Amen. First Chronicles 22 and 19. In this chapter here, King David is challenging or charging his son Solomon in regards to building the temple. And then he also here in this last verse addresses the princes of Israel with these words. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise, therefore, and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built in the name of the Lord. Amen. I've entitled this message here this morning, Prayer Essential in Building God's House. Prayer Essential and building the house of the Lord. Amen. Father, I ask you here today, speak through me to us, Father. Provoke us, inspire us, convict us, draw us unto yourself, Father. We know that you've been speaking to us directly. Regards to our relationship with you, communication, trust, and faith. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that each soul here, would find grace, would find inspiration to draw nigh to you, that we would truly believe that we can do absolutely nothing apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, here today, Lord, that faith would come by hearing and hearing by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in First Chronicles chapter 22, amen, King David gives instruction to his son Solomon Amen. In regards to building the temple, calling him, amen, showing him, amen, his moral obligation to finish or to begin and finish, amen, the building or the erecting of that temple. At the end of the chapter, he also challenges the entire leadership of Israel. Amen. It says, David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son. So he is elaborating on a vision that he has communicated to his son probably throughout his life. But he's not just speaking to Solomon. He's speaking really, amen, to all of Israel. Of course, this is an Old Testament charge, but I believe it has profound new, a profound New Testament application regarding the essence and the necessity of prayer. What spiritual lessons can we learn here from this Old Testament exhortation? Well, first of all, and not surprisingly, prayer is foundational to all spiritual progress. <clears throat> If we are not praying, if we are not seeking God, if we're not talking to God about it, if we're not submitting our thoughts, even if we're not submitting ourselves on a daily basis to God, then we are going 
absolutely nowhere. We're going nowhere as individuals. We're going nowhere in our marriage. We're going nowhere in our families. And we're going nowhere as a local church collectively. We must seek the Lord. Amen. That's why King David told Solomon and told the princes of Israel, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. You see, King David understood this unchanging principle. Men cannot endeavor to fulfill the will of God apart from God himself. They must walk with God to do God's will. He knew this because he learned by experience that it's not man, but God in man that accomplishes God's end. You know, you think about the history of King David. Even from his youth, his life is filled with supernatural testimonies of victory one after another. Hey, but you see, he learned this lesson at a very, very early age. Hey, but that if I'm going to do what God has called me to do, if I'm going to overcome the enemy and the attacks of the enemy and all the schemes that Satan has laid out to destroy me and thwart me from the kingdom of God, then I am going to have to try trust and believe in God. And I'm going to have to allow him to work in and through me. In fact, the familiar Psalm, Psalm 27, begins with these often quoted words, 127 and 1. Psalm says this, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. If you'll turn over, why don't you turn over there in your Bibles to Psalms 127 and 1. I want to show you something there. If you look there in the heading, if you have a King James Bible, if you don't have a King James Bible, then just throw that away, amen, and get you a King James Bible. But if you have a King James Bible, uh, in most of them there, you're going to see that uh, the psalm there is prefaced with a song of degrees for Solomon, amen. In other words, this was a song inspired by God and penned by King David for Solomon's instruction, amen. In other words, and of course, this is true, and we quote this in, in regards to our marriages, and we quote this in regards to building, you know, the, the family, amen. And that's true, of course, it applies. But originally, amen, this song was inspired, amen, and David penned it, and they, he was teaching Solomon from a very early age, amen, if, if the house is going to be built, if the house is going to be established, if you're going to fulfill what God has called you to do, amen, it's going to have to be God that does it through you. You're going to have to walk closely with him. Hence we see, amen, what David told Solomon and the princes of Israel in First Chronicles was not something new, amen, but in fact was a foundational principle God had established through his prophets, had revealed to all those who walked with him, amen, and had been communicated for years and years, namely that human enterprise only succeeds by divine blessing, amen. That means twofold. You can only do what God has called you to do, amen, because God is doing it through you, amen, and God, you are yielding and surrendering to God, but not only that, amen, you're not going to succeed in anything, but what God tells you is his will, you try to do something that's not the will of God, it's going to falter, it's not going to be blessed, amen, his will is blessed, amen, already, 
You see, listen to me. Human enterprise only succeeds by divine blessing, which can only be known and secured via God's face, seeking his face. Amen. Seeking to know him and to walk with him. Likewise, we as Christians are called, as it were, to build the house of the Lord. To edify, amen, the house or edify one another that we can be strengthened, that we can be built up in love and that we can manifest, amen, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, the house we're to build, of course, is spiritual and not physical. We're to establish the testimony of Jesus Christ. We are to preach the gospel where God has planted us here together. Now, that is a paramount thing because the Great Commission is fundamental to our call as the church. But it's not the most important thing. Amen. It's not everything. It's very, very important. But ultimately, we are to prepare ourselves and we are to seek to have a zeal and a burden that we might be a suitable habitation for God. Amen. That we might truly be the body of Christ. If this were in any way that we don't represent Jesus, wherever there is a misrepresentation of Christ in the individual life or in the corporate life, in other words, wherever we're missing it as consuming fire fellowship, Every single one of us ought to be burdened. We ought to be grieved in our spirit. We ought to be seeking how we can meet the need. How we, amen, can be conformed to the image of Christ. That we would be a suitable habitation, amen, for God. Amen. There needs to be a sound testimony. In other words, if someone were to hear us preaching at the Illusions Club, if someone were to hear us preaching at SLU or LSU, and they were to actually visit this local assembly and mingle with us, that they would see the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a shame if someone would come here and there would be a misrepresentation of Jesus. Because the power of a sound testimony, it's, it's unspeakable. It's so, uh, you know, beyond and above. You know, listen to me. Consider your own families. And when you're, when you first got born again and you preach to your family and you preach to your mother and father and you preach to your brothers and sisters and, uh, of course, they, uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, like mine didn't believe me and mocked and persecuted, uh, persecuted and what have you. But over time, the testimony of my marriage and the testimony of my children, hey Ben, it had an influence on those individuals. Now, they're not born again today. And I'm not saying they, they love Jesus, hey Ben, because they're not right with God. But that testimony has had a power. It has a tempering effect. They see something. There's something tangible that they can put their hands on. And I'm not suggesting that we couldn't have a greater testimony because we could. I'm simply saying there needs to be a testimony of purity, a testimony of holiness, a testimony of love, a testimony of strength amongst us. And there's no way that we can have that apart from walking with Jesus on a day in and day out basis. Each of us, amen, must comprehend our corporate obligation, endeavoring to live holy, to live sin-free, walking in love one toward another. You're obligated to love one another fervently. Amen. Should never forget that. 
carefully avoiding anything that would grieve the Spirit of God. You know, in your day-to-day decisions and in your behavior and what you allow in your thought life and what you allow in your heart, are you considering how that's going to affect another brother and sister in Christ? You see, if you can begin to think that way, you will find that love is indeed the fulfilling of all the law. Amen. Because you wouldn't want to do anything that would grieve God's spirit. Amen. You don't want to do anything. Amen. That would hinder someone else's spirituality or cast a stumbling block before anyone. Amen. Each of us are to find our place here where God has planted us in the local church and we are to funnel all our gifts and all our resources to this one glorious end. Namely, to come together under God's direction in the will of God, being led by the Holy Ghost for the singular purpose of building the house in the name of the Lord, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. Amen. We would arise and build, arise and build, but no one's going to arise and build if they don't first kneel and pray. Without humility, without walking closely with the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are going to lack the vision. We're going to lack, amen, the grace to rise up and do anything selflessly. For the most part, those individuals who are prayerless are egocentric and they are consumed, as Brother Charlie said this morning, with their own little world and their own problems. When each of us carry, though, this vision, of building the house of the Lord, then there will be heavenly furnishing therein. There will be spiritual food aplenty. Oh, Brother Britt, you're supposed to feed the sheep. Amen. I am. I have a function within the body to provide spiritual food. But you know, when I was in local uh, in the local church, I was not merely fed by what was preached. I was encouraged and blessed by what was lived. Amen. And when you can see people rising up and living free, amen, living according to the word of God, denying themselves, there's great encouragement in that. The sheep are fed by that. The sheep are blessed and encouraged, amen, when they see other, you know, individuals that are living according to the word of God. Amen. When when each of us will carry this vision, there's going to be provision. There will be, and this is paramount, there will be life, resurrection, life. In other words, Jesus will be here. Amen. Because we will truly be his body. And if we're truly his body, and to what degree that we are the body of Christ, or what degree that we're conformed to the image of Christ corporately, that's to the degree that we have the tangible presence of God. Amen. And and if we'll walk in the fullness of God, then we'll have the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, remember, he's the only one who's non-expendable. He's the most important person. If anyone needs to be here, Jesus needs to be here. Amen. You know, we don't have that little program. They have programs in the Baptist church where, you know, if you didn't show up for church, they don't do that anymore because they don't want to make people feel guilty. But uh, used to that, if you miss church, they'd have someone come visit you. Amen. Well, I don't necessarily believe, I believe you ought to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. 
But I tell you what, if Jesus ain't here, we need to be visiting him. Amen. If he's not here, we need to be asking why. We need to be probing. We need to be inquiring. Amen. Oh, we need Jesus. We need the presence of God in our midst. But none of that is not, is going to happen unless we're seeking God, unless we realize our need, unless we realize that we're obligated to be seeking God for his presence. And every one of us should be praying that. Every one of us should be, oh God, meet every need of my brothers and sisters that we might do the will of God. Reveal yourself amongst us. Amen. Show your face afresh. Amen. Deliver by your strong arm. But none of these things can happen apart from a people that are walking by faith. And to truly walk by faith, amen, that's a people that know. That's a people that respond to the fact that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Remember the words of Isaiah the prophet. Amen. Jesus remembered these words. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Now you recall Jesus quoted this prophecy when he cleansed the temple. The very fact that he did so establishes two absolutes. First of all, that prayer is paramount to the corporate calling of God on his people. Amen. Do you hear me? He he quoted that uh, God intended. When it wasn't what God intended for it to be, he told them and he told us what God intended. He intended for it to be a house of prayer. And secondly, when the holy labor and service of prayer is absent, the void will be filled with something that always, no matter what we think, undermines and robs God of his glory. Amen. If we're not seeking God, then we're drifting from God. And if we're drifting from God, we may not recognize it. And the longer we drift, amen, the the chances are that we're not going to see it. We're going to become self-deceived and and drift further and further into the twilight. But we're going to produce something that is stealing from God. Only by seeking God, humbly submitted to him, amen, are we going to fulfill what God has called us to do. This is why it was so vital that Solomon and the princes, amen, set their heart and set their soul to seek the Lord their God. King David knew building the temple was an impossible task apart from the intervention of God. And we know, and we've talked about it many times, to live the Christian life is supernatural. The God that, the, the, the life that God has called you to live and the life that God has called me to live and the life that God has called this church to live is impossible to do or to manufacture in human strength. And it can only be done by grace. So first of all, we see that prayer is foundational to all spiritual progress. We need to, you know, have that settled in our spirit. We need to believe, amen, if I'm not seeking God, amen, then at best, I'm just holding ground. More than likely, I'm backsliding. Prayer, amen, secondly, the vision to build is kindled and maintained through prayer. Amen, because it's God that's told us. It's God who's commanded us to build the house. 
Amen. And that comes from God. That vision comes from God. We're not going to kindle, stir ourselves. It's going to have to be through communion with God. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord, your God. He didn't say set your heart to build the house. He said first set your heart to seek. Amen. Set your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God because he knew. Amen. The Holy Ghost knows if we're not seeking God, we may make promises. We may make vows. But in our own strength, we're going to fall short. Amen. So he said, first of all, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. You see, apart from familiarity and apart from love for God himself, we cannot know nor can we sustain proper motivations and proper desires. And that's where virtue is recognized at. It's not am I merely doing externally what God has called me to do, but do I love doing what God has called me to do? Do I delight, amen, in the Lord? Do I delight in what God is at, or do I hate it? Do I hesitantly submit myself to it because begrudgingly because I know I must? Or do I love the will of God? You see, we can't maintain proper motivations and desire apart from God's grace. And notice in the charge, King David didn't tell Solomon and the princes to wait until they felt like it. No, no. He instructed them to set Amen. To resolve, to purpose in their heart and soul. In other words, he said, you need to make a choice. Amen. This is, you know, people all the time, you know, I have a difficult time, you know, establishing a prayer life. Well, you just need to uh, uh, simply make the choice, set your heart and set your soul to see God. And if you truly do that, in other words, if you with all your person, all your might, all your resolve, I'm going to take, amen, a prayer life. Like I'm going to take a hill, amen, in a battle. I'm not going to be denied. Then God is going to come in and give you grace. If you haven't established a prayer life, it's not because God won't help you. It's because you haven't set your heart and your soul to do so. He told them, set your heart. Set your soul to seek the Lord, your God. You see, we can seek God if we'll only choose if we will set our will to do so, amen, and then, indeed, God is going to help us. Moreover, he commanded them, arise and build. You see, Christians must rise out of the lower spiritual experiences to actually build. Amen. If you're in the, in the lower realms of, you know, the Christian experience, then you're not going to help anyone. You're not going to furnish anything for anyone. You're not going to have an abundance to minister to anybody. If you're a baby Christian, baby Christians can't build. Amen. Baby Christians are just, you know, trying to nurture themselves, trying to rise up and learn the deeper things of God. If you're an individual that succumbs uh, to carnality and the flesh, well, of course, carnality is set in opposition to the things of God. You can't walk in the flesh, amen, and do the will of God. You, you can't walk in the flesh and help anyone, amen. If you're someone just trying to survive from week to week, amen, you're not going to have anything to give someone else. And that should be your heart. To minister, to give, to fulfill the call of God. You know, and I recognize 
Because I know, you know, when I was a younger Christian, I used to assume, and I, uh, there is a difference, of course, for people that are called uh, in the fivefold ministry. There is grace for certain things, but everyone is called. And to me, if anyone is born again, your calling may not be my calling. I may not be uh, as, as particularly burdened as you are. But anyone who is a Christian must be burdened, amen, for what they are called to furnish in the body of Christ. And if there's no burden there, then really you have to question whether the individual is in Christ at all. I mean, to repent is to turn from a life. Of selfishness. Amen. And to live for the glory of God. But you see, how can we arise? How can we build if we're not walking in the straight and the narrow way? Being full of the Holy Ghost. So apart from communing with God, amen, we lose our vision. Amen. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, we have to have that vision of God. We have to have that vision, see what God wants from us and uh, that God will provide for us. Amen. To do it. We have to have that ongoing vision. Amen. Of Jesus Christ and Him resurrected. Just as Brother Charlie's been, you know, preaching, just pointing out we may very well maintain external modes of behavior by merely comprehending intellectually the standard of God. But we can never truly thrive in the Spirit apart from the inward inspiration of grace. And you don't get that unless you seek it. For grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. This is so fundamental to the Christian experience. Every real Christian knows this. Every real, every, every real Christian, as soon as they get into trouble, they know, i got to seek God. I need to see God. I need to slow down. I need to pull back. I'm too, I'm, too, I'm too preoccupied with everything but Jesus. That's why every real Christian knows that. Amen. And that we must hear the promptings of the Spirit and we must obey. No one has grace. No one can have truth. Amen. And listen to me. By grace, we are saved. By grace, we are delivered. By the truth, we're made free. If we don't have grace, amen, then we're not going to have deliverance. If we don't have truth, we're not going to have freedom and liberty. But no one has grace and truth apart from an ongoing union and believing communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. When individuals fail to often pray through to God's presence, they may know his general will. I'm not supposed to fornicate. not supposed to lie. not supposed to steal. But apart from seeking God on a day-to-day basis, we cannot know his immediate will. And not only that, when I say immediate will, the application of the word of God to you right now. What are you to do right now? What are you to do in this situation? Who are you to marry? Hey, but where are you to work? Hey, but you see, listen to me. If you're a Christian, all you need to know, that's what God, God wants. And if that's what God wants, hey, I'm content. Amen? When you, when you know what God wants and you're not content with that, you're a rebel. And you're fighting God. You've got to surrender and submit to the will of God. But you can't know the will of God apart from seeking God. And then the personal instruction. 
and the direct application of those truths, in other words, the teaching of the Holy Ghost, there has to be a seeking of God on a day-to-day basis to enjoy that to the fullest. Apart from this personal dynamic with Jesus, we soon grow mechanical, robotic, and inwardly void of inspiration. And listen to me, by and by, such an individual will begin to misinterpret the way. You can be told that for a thousand years, every single Sunday, and still misinterpret the way. I've told people this my entire ministry. Sat people down, explained to them, warned them, and the next week they misinterpret the way. You're not going to, listen to me, to live according to mere external standard is one of the most laborious, tedious things. It's a tedious existence. Sooner or later you're going to get tired of Jesus. Amen. You're going to misinterpret, amen, the way. You're going to misinterpret the standard. And you're going to begin to inwardly abhor what God meant for a blessing. It won't be God's fault. It'll be your fault. Because you wouldn't do it according to the way. In other words, submit yourself moment by moment to Jesus. See, in such a state, amen, we're going to grow hard. We're going to stiffen our neck. There's no way that we can't. You see, we can't, we're going to harden our heart if we don't, you know, abide in the illuminating presence of God and receive a fresh baptism of that oil to soften the heart day by day. No one can possibly maintain the vision, much less a selfless zeal, amen, to fulfill that vision in such a spiritual state. It's an impossible thing. And the will of God and the call of God is paramount. And, and, and again, this is where you get down to where the rubber meets the road. Because a lot of people, when you talk about Christianity, you know, they, they know there's a call and they know there's, you know, church and they know we need to preach the gospel. But, you know, really when you begin to probe and you really begin to dig into the, you know, the nuts and bolts of their theology, it's more about them than it is about Jesus. And when it's more about you, sooner or later, you can be exposed. Because God is not going to have it. And he's going to be pulling you in a direction and driving you, if you will, driving you in a direction that's going to require self-denial, not self-absorption. Thirdly, prayer is imperative to establish the proper spiritual ambience for God and his spirit. Why, Why would God come and visit and abide amongst the people that have no desire to really know him or desire to even talk to him. You see, prayer or communion, faith-based communion with God is essential for that ambience. Notice that King David said, you need to seek the Lord. You need to arise. You need to build the temple. Amen. You need to prepare your hearts. Amen. And to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Amen. To bring in that ark in its rightful place. Now, the ark of the covenant, as we know, always represents the tangible presence and the supernatural blessing of God. King David knew, according to the law, that the ark belonged in the temple. Amen. And likewise, 
the absolute first essential for the house of the Lord is the tangible presence of God. There's no way that they could go through that Old Testament covenant or they could not participate in temple life apart from the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. If they went out to battle, we, we've read story after story what happens when they're void of the Ark of the Covenant. So see, the application for us under this covenant, amen, is the essential, the absolute essential of the, the tangible presence of God and the supernatural blessing upon the house of the Lord. If God is not with us and we have no tangible manifestation of his person, then the corporate purpose will, amen, the corporate purposes will wax vain. In other words, we just meet here in futility. Nothing's going to be accomplished. Nothing's going to be done. We need the presence of God. What what is that? Is that when everybody dances around and has goosebumps? No, not necessarily. It's when everyone is conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. And everyone, amen, is submitted to all the light that they have. And everyone is maintaining, amen, their walk with Jesus Christ. And everyone is seeking God with all of their heart. Amen. When we have that type of atmosphere, amen, then the Spirit of God is going to be here in fullness. And aren't these divine characteristics to be evident in the lives who walked, amen, with God? In other words, the presence, the purity, and the power of God. Amen. And really, listen to me, the gospel was never intended, amen, merely to be an intellectual communication, even discipleship. It it was never meant merely something you just learn in your intellect and apply like you do mathematics. It's something supernatural. It's something supercharged, amen, with the other, the heaven world. It is a transfer of the, the very person and the essence of the, of, the, of the character of Almighty God. And this doesn't take place just by communicating biblical facts one to another. There has to be that, that presence of God amongst us. Amen. To raise up and to strengthen. There can be spiritual strength no other way. But you see, these characteristics should be evident and will be evident in the lives of those who truly walk with God. Amen. If you truly walk with God, you'll be a worshiper of God. People, as uh, you know, Brother Charlie pointed out, have to be constantly. You know, there's, again, the Psalms. If you read through the Psalms, the Psalms are inspired by God. And the Psalms are often encouraging the people of God to worship God. But if there's a pattern in your life that you have to be told to lift your head, clap, you know, to, something, something's wrong with you. Don't tell you, you, you can come to, I, I pray every day. You're a liar. You're, you're a liar if you tell me that and you don't worship God in the corporate. And if you can't pray in the corporate meeting, I don't care. You can, you can put a, a surveillance camera in your living room and you can tape yourself kneeling down there for hours a day and I will not believe you're truly praying. If you can't pray in the corporate meeting, you don't, if you can't pray in the corporate meeting, then you're not really praying. Amen. In your individual devotions. You see, there's the, how, the fear of God. How can you fear God if you don't have a revelation of God? And He is to be feared. Amen. He is to be feared. Oh, to God. That, what a, what a wonderful, needful, absolutely imperative thing. Young people that you fear Almighty God. That you consecrate him as your dread and your fear. 
But you're not going to do that because I tell you that. You're going to have to see him as he is. You're going to have to have a revelation of his holiness. Amen. Walking by faith. Amen. How can we walk by faith if we don't know the God that commands us to do so? Amen. How can there be a hunger and a desire for God? And I, I believe God's given me a message about desire, spiritual desire and spiritual hunger that, uh, if you'll allow me, I'm, I'm going to preach in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, we, we must hunger for God. But, you know, if we will spend time in His presence and we will taste of the Lord, we will see that indeed He is is good and we must we how can we not desire him but you're not going to do that because i command you to desire god you're not going to do that simply because uh, you see it written in the word of god to desire god you're going to have to press in you're going to have to desire these things to be done in your life and know that there is no other place no other you know way for you to be ministered life to other than in the presence of almighty god amen but those who walk in the flesh those who live a natural you know the natural man receiveth not the things of God. Amen. If you concentrate on the natural, if you're consumed in the natural, you're always just giving yourself to the temporal things. You're not going to receive anything from God that way. You're going to have to choose. Amen. Desire to be spiritual. Indeed, thus, if we are not individually seeking God, we must, we must not be deceived. We must not be naive and assume we are somehow corporately seeking God. If there's something amiss in the corporate prayer life, it must be attributed to individuals, amen, who are collectively contributing, amen, to the prayer life of this local church. And even, you know, again, I would think the natural, uh, and this is in no way an excuse for anyone, I would think that the average church in America, only a very few, even in the best of churches, only very few spiritual people in each church. Amen. But, you know, just a few people seeking God. It's not going to, you know, negate or neutralize all of the, uh, the lack of vision for God. We've got to be in one mind. We've got to be in one accord. We need to have agreement of heart. That's why David told the princes, you're in leadership. Every facet of leadership in this local church. Amen. Parents. Amen. Fathers. Amen. Firstborn. We can go down the line. Every one of us need to be in agreement. We need to set our heart and set our soul to seek God so the house can be built. We need to be in unity in that regard. So if we're not seeking God, Amen. You know, a praying man, we've heard uh, Brother Ravenhill say that a praying man will stop sinning and a sinning man will stop praying. Hence, any unconfessed, unforsaken sin quenches prayer and promotes a cycle of defeat and a cycle of unbelief. And that does grieve the Spirit of God. When you see individuals that just really cannot seek God or really having difficulty pressing in, more than likely, there's sin in that life that needs to be confessed. There needs to be a confession and a forsaking of that sin. Amen. But you know, the longer you uh, spend outside the presence of God, uh, 
You, you can't discern your own heart. You know, you can, you can fall into things that can grieve the Holy Ghost. If you're walking closely with Jesus, and, and every one of us know that we walk close with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can say something to someone, and it will haunt us until we go back to them and say, look, I shouldn't have said that. I had a bad spirit. That wasn't right. And the person might think, I don't even know what you're talking about. But it so troubled you that you couldn't get a breakthrough. But you just drift from the presence of God. Moments like that will be none. Amen. And yet, and yet, you think when you were so spiritual and you were really pressing in and really sensitive, you did that. And now you're not doing it. It's not that you're not doing it. It's that you're so hardened and callous in your spirit, you don't even recognize it anymore. You see, we have to be in the presence of God so that we can be rightly judged and we can rightly judge ourselves by, amen, the illuminating holiness of God. And lastly here this morning, prayer is crucial in establishing who should be here. Amen. God wants somebody here, and there's other people he doesn't want here. Amen. And if we don't have the people that God wants here, then we can't fulfill the will of God. The holy vessels of God, he said, not just the Ark of the Covenant, but the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built in the name of the Lord. Now, the holy vessels were vital in fulfilling the Old Testament covenant. Without the holy vessels, vessels, Old Testament worship and protocol could not be fulfilled. Likewise, we as holy and consecrated vessels of God are to be used in the service of the Lord. We don't need a candlestick, amen, a golden candlestick, amen, or a censer in here to fulfill the will of God, amen. But what we do need is we do need vessels Holy, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. Second Timothy two twenty through twenty one says, "But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work." So you and I are now the holy vessels that God uses. In short, either new converts must be birthed via the uh, present assembly, amen, or born-again believers must be called to join themselves with us. Either way, listen to me, either way, prayer is absolutely essential to heavenly enlargement. Amen. Isaiah said, for as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. We talked about this a few weeks ago about intercessory prayer and how, uh, you know, I believe that we should be convicted for a lack of that. And we should be praying for the individuals that we preach to. There should be more time spent, amen, more of a burden for those that we preach to, calling their name out, amen, asking God to save them. If we will begin to travail, amen, and, and again, I, I challenge you, someone here could uh, intercede for Gloucester, and someone could be burdened for, someone could be, uh, you know, burdened for LSU or, for SLU, we should pray, amen, for those souls. And if we will travail, then there will be individuals born of God. It says in Jude 1, 20 and 23, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves. We are to build the house of the Lord. Listen, in context, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, 
Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We need to be praying. We need to be interceding, amen, that souls will be born of God, amen. And if some, amen, if they refuse to hear the call, then whatever we have need of, God is going to send them here. Perhaps as many, I mean, uh, you, very few of you got born again here. Most of us came from somewhere else. We were already born again, amen. And we need uh, to recognize that if God wants someone here, then he can get them here, amen. And listen to me, from the inception of this church, you know, prayer to have the right ambience the right uh, atmosphere in a local assembly there's going to be protection against those that are not sincere and the moment you get a church that's not praying begins to drift and backslide then that uh, veil of protection if you will is going to slowly drop down but you know i've seen it over and over again here amen that uh, from the inception the beginning of this church Amen. Someone could walk through the door. Maybe everyone didn't see it. Amen. But there's a rebel right there. And some of those rebels have repented. Some of them have, uh, you know, some of you were rebels and you're here today. Thank God. God got a hold of you. Amen. But listen to me. It was always known. Amen. And the, and the atmosphere is such as, see, the pressure that you often feel in a good local church is the same pressure that will expose the heart of someone who's really not right. Amen. And we have to have that. Because, you see, it's not just a matter of someone being shrewd. Amen. Someone who's, you know, a good, a good uh, judge of, uh, of human character. No, no, no. That's, that's not how this works. It's spiritual. And whenever, amen, that fire, amen, that fire in the spirit is kindled, amen, and there's a, a revival spirit in the church, then if a rebel comes in or someone who's fleshly or carnal, amen, they're going to recognize there's going to be the fear of God. And, and again, I know that God sends people like that because he wants to see them delivered and set free, and there'll be a window frame. That's always been the pattern of this local church. People can come in. You can see some people, of course, uh, don't have the same agenda as others. But I've seen people come in here with the worst of agendas, have all type of confusion, problems of the heart and spirit, and God give them a window frame, a window frame, a time to, to repent and get really right. But then the time comes where they refuse it and they're pushed out. It has nothing to do with man. A lot of times they think it's man, but it's God that does it and he is protecting his body. Amen. You see, God wants some people here. He wants some vessels here. You know what kind of vessels he wants? Holy vessels. He doesn't want unholy vessels. You know that story Brother Clendenin tells, how he asked somebody uh, about pastoring and give me a few words of encouragement or a few words of counsel, you know, maybe the three or four best, three or, three or four most important things uh, to remember as a pastor. And I think uh, the three things were, you know, pray and fast, preach the uncompromised word of God and know who to let stay. Know who to let stay. I've always remembered that. I believe that is the truth. Amen. So prayer is essential in birthing, sending, 
planting, amen, that process where people are joining themselves to us to be part of the body. Prayer is absolutely essential to that, amen, and it's vital in maintaining a high standard of genuine holiness in the body, protecting the body from rebellion, from infidels, from individuals who have even been sent perhaps unconsciously by the devil to sow discord. And I've seen that as well. Amen. No way that a man, no way that the committee of men can protect uh, the church from that. It has to be spiritual, has to be the Holy Ghost. And if we're not praying, we're not walking in the spirit collectively, then we are making our own selves vulnerable and the enemy will exploit that weakness. Amen. Let us set our heart. Let us set our soul to seek the Lord God. Amen. Let's arise and build the house of the Lord. Amen. Rise with me here this morning. Amen. Prayer essential to establishing and building God's house. Amen. You're charged with that obligation here this morning, just as Solomon and the princes of Israel. Why don't you come in these altars? Amen. Pray over that calling. Amen.
as the gamble for the They chose the worldly trail Not thinking about eternity The soldiers drove the nails Will we learn from what they got Or make the same mistake Be all the world, my child Which one will you Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Amen. May God compel us and inspire us to pray that his house, amen, may be built. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Bob, would you dismiss us with prayer?
Amen. God bless you. We love you. Six o'clock tonight. Come back and let's arise and build the house by praying, singing God. You're dismissed. <laughs>